Thanks for tuning in to Future Sandwich. We have an awesome episode in store for you today. But first, I want to give you a heads up on a few things we've been cooking since we last shipped a potty. You can now get a good bite of the sandwich on Future Sandwich's YouTube channel. It's kind of like the podcast, except Samer and I are in a car and it goes for about five minutes. Subscribe and get that little insight that you can take into the boardroom and be the smartest kid in the room. There'll be a few live events and shows coming up soon. And so to stay updated, jump onto futuresandwich.com and subscribe to our Club Sandwich email. Also, before we kick off, if you can take one minute to rate, review and share the show, we'd be so grateful. It makes such a difference to help us get out there. Again, thank you. We're so pumped to have you tune in. This is a great episode. Let's get started. The crazy, wild, sexy, provocative world of fashion. A world where creativity meets commerce. And where for the most of history, the latest styles and trends have come from a few eccentrics in the fashion houses of Paris. For such an avant-garde industry, fashion for a long time has lacked commercial innovation, where the methods of production are like the old factories of the Industrial Revolution, producing one-size-fits-all products, and producing them painfully slow at that. Now digital tools and distribution methods mean the world of fashion can cater for one-size-fits-one, looking more like an industry that can facilitate complete customization at a global scale. The current business model is also going through change, It's a case of make, then sell, which is super risky. And this has heaps of downside too, with labels needing to invest tons of money in a design they hope customers will like. But a new business model is emerging, where fashion labels now prove demand in real time from what customers are liking on Instagram. Brands then rush off and attempt to make that thing super fast to meet the demand for those trends before they go cold. The time it takes from idea to garment hanging on rack is key with everyone now playing in fast fashion. Automating the manufacturing process is one way to find efficiencies. This episode, we talk with two companies that are doing just that. The original denim brand, Levi's, has been making jeans since 1853. The look hasn't changed much either, but the process of how they make their jeans is starting to look much, much different. We hear from Liz O'Neill, Chief Supply Chain Officer for Levi's, on how robots and lasers are key to their massive leap forward in efficiency. And I met Australian startup Taylor's Mark, who are 3D printing life-size customers to fit the perfect suit in a fraction of the time. Um, and the beauty of what we've done is that we haven't invented 3D printing, but we've made serious advancements in the 3D printing technology itself to make printing out human mannequins in real size commercially viable from a speed and a cost perspective. Um, and that's certainly a world first. And of course, we catch up with Australia's leading futurist and Future Sandwich co-pilot, Steve Sammartino, on where he thinks the world of fashion is heading. You better buckle in your seatbelt, because we're about to hit warp speed when it comes to fast fashion. My name is Tommy McCubbin, and this is Future Sandwich. Let's take a look at the glamorous future of fashion. Everyone has a pair of Levi's, and most people have since 1853. At the start of the Industrial Revolution, Levi Strauss saw a gap in the market for a garment that was the ideal mix of durability and comfort. The classic distressed look is timeless, and at the core of Levi's brand. That distressed denim is still in, but the factory of Levi's workers holding sandpaper, distressing jeans by hand, is definitely out. Let's hear from the folks leading these changes, 
Bart Seitz, VP of Innovation, and Liz O'Neill, Chief Supply Chain Officer at Levi's. Over the past 30 years, we've approached finishing with a lot of labor-intensive steps, 18 to 20 for, for every finish. We've created this new process that relies on laser technology that reduces that to three. This is something that we're scaling across our entire denim supply chain. This is going to be our new operating model. We are all in. The original tenet of this whole approach was to maintain our authenticity. There's a lot of detail in a vintage gene. So our first step in the new process is to photograph the gene, and then we take that and illustrate it in a way that the laser can interpret. So what used to happen traditionally in eight, 10, 12 minutes with manual applications, we can now execute with the laser in 90 seconds or so. Finishing is more than just making a new gene look like an old gene. It's really taking all the creative juices from our designers and bringing to life their ideas into a final product. This is actually a vintage gene that we've replicated. We got the damages, whisker pattern, the unevenness crackle. Pretty damn good match. So in the future, rather than producing and inventorying all 40 of these finishes, we'll only produce this and then we'll wait. So everything from that black line to this black line is possible off of that base only with a laser file and a post-wash. With this new process, we're actually able to, to get after some of the key challenges in our business. What typically could take us six months going from concept and design all the way to market week, we're able to actually reduce that by several months. Levi's has always been passionate about sustainability. This project will push the industry to create a cleaner gene. Where we lead, others usually follow. When we built Eureka, we realized that we had a unique opportunity to redefine the future of jeanswear. Opportunity like this only comes maybe once in a career, once in a lifetime. We're very excited. Thanks to Levi's for that story. You can check out the full film at futuresandwich.com. So I confess, I only suit up for weddings, funerals, and maybe the races, and that's about it. It's jeans and tees all the way. But when I heard about the winner of Australia's most innovative company, that is the love child of Savile Row and Silicon Valley, I had to check them out. So I got down to Taylor's Mark in Melbourne and checked out how these guys have saved customers hours of multiple fittings by doing something genius and kind of weird, 3D printing their customers' bodies to scale. So after standing in my jocks on something that resembles a turntable and spinning around a few times, I then picked out the cut, fabrics, and any customization with a Savile Row experience tailor called Sam. That part felt interesting, but it wasn't until they allowed me special access to the basement that I felt I had to start recording. So we're down in the den at Taylor's Mark, and I've just spent approximately 32 minutes with Sam, the tailor here, getting my suit preferences pinned down and then also getting scanned on the uh, turntable but now we're down in the den 
and it is a 3D printing factory. There are mannequins stacked around the place. There's a lot of hardware. Uh, and I'm here with the fellas. They're going to give us a talk through of what we're seeing here. Yeah, sure. Well, welcome, welcome to the den, mate. I think you described it <laughs> fairly accurately. So it's definitely a definitely a working area, um, and this is where a lot of the pre-production happens. So Sam, who walked you through the, your design preferences and helped you with fabric choices and things like that, Sam is actually the person that's going to be cutting your pattern as well. So it really is an authentic process. Um, it just happens to be a inorganic substance <laughs> that's uh, where you're having your, your suit put around. So what are we looking at here? These mannequins are printed out of something. Yeah, these are, you're looking at um, three of our customers that are, are currently going through the, I guess, the, the pattern making slash suit fitting process. So the, the filament that we use is, it's actually a cornstarch PLA. So it's actually a biodegradable, um, reusable element. So it's um, an interesting material because it allows us to print really quickly um, and also really, really cheaply. And if you, you pick up these mannequins, they're, they're ultra light. So they're, the structural integrity is there. So it's a, a strong enough object for us to kind of maneuver and, and make a suit around and sort of pull and throw around. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear bodies falling over down here as we're kind of, as you can see, we've got a lot happening down here. Um, but they're pretty durable and they're, they're tough enough for us to make suits around, which is the, the most important thing. A little bit scary as well or confronting when you first see them, particularly because we lop the customer's head off and we don't have the, um, we don't have the hand, so all of that gets digitally removed through our scan cleanup process. Um, but we only just keep the parts that are relevant or required for, for tailoring a suit to a customer's body. So things like you know, your facial detail, your, your fingers, your, your toes, we don't actually need that, um, that data or that information. It's pretty confronting. To, I'm not sure whether I'm excited or terrified to actually <laughs> face off with my clone. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, we take that into account through the purchasing experience with customers. Some customers are so excited and they want to see their mannequins. They want to see photos of the process taking place. Other customers are just not interested. So through the manufacturing and the finishing process, we give customers the option as to whether or not they want to be involved, whether or not they want to see photos of their mannequins. Um, and at the end of the process, we just crush the mannequins down um, and then we reuse that filament for the next client that comes through. Some guys said, oh, can I keep it? Um, why? I want to use it as a lampshade next to my beard. <laughs> We've had, we've had um, one, of our, one, of our current, one of our current customers had actually what I think is a really good idea. He is a project manager, um, so he wears suits every day. He's going to have his torso in his office and use it as his jacket holder. Have it as a, so, as a hanger. Yeah, so when he yeah. takes his jacket off, it's just going to sit on his body. <laughs> Next to him when he's working, that's which is a great idea. You know, it's so, so good yeah. for the suit too. Exactly, so it's perfect. So it's good for the suit. It's good for us because people will say, "Shit, what's this?" Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, if we can try and retain as many as possible and then do the right thing with them and break them down, reason that's good. So what you like, what you're seeing here, Tommy, it's it's what we consider to be the tailor's mark process of scanning and printing in its infancy. So we will grow, outgrow the space very, very quickly and we'll kind of walk you through it. But all of the pattern making here is done through Sam um, using our CAD software here, using real patterns, real jackets, real pieces. So by the time that the initial block um, is being manufactured, Sam is 70, 80% sure that the garment is going to be bang on. 
And then after the garment is manufactured, before it's sent out to the customer, we go through the refittings process on that same mannequin. So nips, tucks, minor alterations, whether that be structural or whether it be really basic things like lengthening sleeves or shortening hems, it all gets done here before it's actually dispatched to the customer. Which previously would have been make an appointment with a tailor, go in, do that time and time again. We're talking about hours saved yep. for customers' time and then obviously from you guys just to be able to come down to the den and tune it. Yep. It's a massive efficiency Approximately the, the floor space that each printer takes up is about the size of a, a telephone booth. So our vision and what our next step from a manufacturing process will be, as Dave mentioned, is to start to move a lot of this to the point of manufacture. Um, and so we see you know, where a warehouse full of our 3D printers that are stacking up and you might, you'll have hundreds and hundreds upon mannequins being printed out every single day. Um, and the beauty of what we've done is that we haven't invented 3D printing, but we've made serious advancements in the 3D printing technology itself to make printing out human mannequins in real size commercially viable from a speed and a cost perspective. Um, and that's certainly a world first. You guys aren't in the fashion industry, you're in the tech industry. I mean, we often do say that we're, we're a technology business, you know, we just happen to, to sell it or move a physical product. Um, but yeah, ev everything that we've done has been around, well, how do we use tech to, to deliver a really awesome experience for customers and, and how do we make tailoring really accessible to people around the globe? You know, we certainly, we lead with tailoring. You know, we're, we're tailors. We, we provide a, a really great product using beautiful fabrics, beautiful craftsmanship. Um, we offer a great suit at a really awesome price. And the reason we've been able to do that, to offer such a great value proposition, is because of the tech that we've built in the background that enables us to do it how we, how we do it, how we've described I strongly recommend get to tailorsmark.com.au and get your next suit and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the headless clone of yourself. And it wouldn't be an episode of Future Sandwich without hearing from Samma. He takes a look a little further forward and sees the world of fashion speeding up even faster. Now fast fashion takes two to four weeks to get from the runway in Paris to the local Zara store, Racks in Sydney. But if you think that's fast, you better buckle in your seatbelt because we're about to hit warp speed when it comes to fast fashion. In the future, every single house will have a 3D printer which can print any type of clothing you can imagine. It'll be able to print in every material from fine cotton to wool and even plastic buttons and metal zips. It'll be like desktop publishing but for clothes. And your house will know exactly what your body shape is and even as it changes. And you might be wondering, well, how will it know that? Well, we're going to have smart bathrooms and smart showers. And those smart showers will constantly be taking pictures of our naked bodies for a whole lot of reasons. One of them will be to make sure you don't have sunspots or that there's anything dangerous from a health perspective. But it'll also be able to understand the exact shape of your body. And when the next fast fashion idea or latest design comes out from Paris or some of your favourite occulteur brands, what will happen is you'll download that file, that design. 
and that design will be protected via the blockchain. So it's cryptographically protected, so you pay for the design from some super fashion brand, expensive, high-end fashion brand, and you only get to print it once. You press the button, you hop in the shower, get ready, put your makeup on, and you've got your beautiful dress or wonderful three-piece tailored suit, a modern 3D tailor, and you'll put that suit on and that'll be the fashion that you wear. And it won't just be for the clothing that goes on your body, it'll be for shoes, it'll be for high heels, it'll be for jewelry, we'll even be 3D printing diamonds. Yes, patents for those have already been made. What happens is technology gets democratized and fashion will be democratized and the game will be won via working out a way to send those files to people who have one size fits one in their own house with the highest end fashion right there. What's really interesting about 3D printing fast fashion at home and maybe even high end or streetwear is the value comes from the design. I mean, it always has. Premium products have always been about design and not the materials. But the materials, we'll probably just buy those off Amazon. You'll be buying bundles of wool or bundles of cotton and different raw materials will be getting delivered to your house and that'll be the input that goes into these printers. So there'll be a whole lot of industries that emerge to support desktop manufacturing for all sorts of things, including clothes. In the end... Digitization dematerializes things. Things get made that are specific for specific people. And it'll be pretty exciting for that to happen in fashion. And it's really going to be a challenge for the fast fashion retailers to learn how to ship ones and zeros and designs to protect them and get paid for them, just like the music industry did. And that's what's going to happen in fashion as well. We'll probably see some new heroes get installed in the industry and some people who fell in love too much with their infrastructure and forgot who to love, which is your customers. And the future is always about working out a way to make money out of the digital version of something. And fashion is no different. What a way to finish. Thanks to the team at Taylor's Mark for looking after me. That was awesome. Also, Levi's for giving us an insight into their robots and laser factory. As always, thanks to Maddie Thompson for editing this like a boss, and Andre, your research and writing is killer. If you can spare a minute, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes would be super appreciated. And get over to Future Sandwich on YouTube and check out our show. Hit subscribe and share it with your mates. It's fast, insightful, visual, and as long as Sam is in the car, a little bit loose. We look forward to dropping more episodes in coming weeks. Until then. <laughs>